Wordscapes, Mayscape Labyrinthos, and Shang-Chi, Legend of the Ten Rings. This is staying in. We, we all chastised Pete a few weeks back for saying it was hot when it was 16 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now, Pete, you can, we can recognise the fact, I think almost unanimously, that it is hot. Hot, yeah, it is hot. It's 29 degrees down mm-hmm. here. I think I'm, it's, yeah, it's roughly, roughly around the same here. I think maybe a bit, bit, bit lower than that, but roughly the same. And listener, Pete is very kindly turn his air conditioning off, not so not to spoil the audio that you're currently listening to right now. So it's going to get even harder for Pete the longer we record. I'm going to start to sweat. Well, I mean, start. I'm already started. I'm going to continue to sweat out into this Donald Duck t-shirt that I'm wearing. Yeah, I'd like to think that the temperature is going to rise one degree every ten minutes. It's like a it's like a slightly sort of middling saw movie, isn't it? Really, like <laughs> rat, ratcheting up the tension. So if the Brits had directed Saw, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's 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 that, and someone and someone's got a cup of tea behind a locked glass case, and it's freshly brewed, and it's just like this is going to go cold in the next twenty minutes unless you solve my. Ooh. Let's play a little game. Do you know what? I, I don't want to talk about anymore because I'm um, just getting a little bit my, too anxious about the whole my, thing. My friend, uh, my friend, he owns a house, and he rents it out no he rents it out to his he's basically his younger brother is a tenant in his house he, he's basically a landlord essentially and when he he, he worked he worked in europe and when he would get bored he would activate the remote thermostat which he had <laughs> which his brother tenant couldn't access so in the middle of the summer he would just whack the thermostat up to max brilliant <laughs> I mean that 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 is categorically the one reason why I will never get like a hive internal heating system hands well, down. I've got I've got some lights that allow me to change using an app. Oh yeah, the, I'm the I'm, I'm down to clown with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But well that that my thinking on that is basically, you know, eventually when I when I move house, I might just leave a few of them here but keep connected to them <laughs> and just really just really mess with them. I I I once found a light bulb in a unusual place and I was desperate for a light bulb. So I searched around the house looking for a light bulb and the one I eventually found was the bulb from the inside of the oven. Which had, right. the same, which had the same connector to my bedside table, like the really thin screw in was yeah. the same as that. Those little kind of squatty ones. Wow. So I, for, for a good long time, I had an oven light in Did my bedside turn- table. Did it turn off when your room got to temperature? <laughs> did you when when you turned the light on because you wanted to read a book? Did it smell like a roast dinner? <laughs> well, that, that, that's not how the oven lights work, Pete. That's, they're not the bit that cooks them. Yeah. I got stuck in traffic on the way back from a former colleague's retirement do, mm. which meant that I had no dinner. And it meant that when I went to the cinema with Sam, I had to dine out oh, at the yes. Odeon Lux. Ooh. And I haven't eaten anything other than popcorn from a cinema yeah. probably since I was, what, 15, 16? I've, I've never had anything other I've than never. popcorn and pickle. I think I've had nachos before. No. 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 Yeah, that was them. the last thing I had, Dan. I think it was to see Kill Bill Volume 2 or Volume 1, I think. And I ate them all before I walked into the cinema. I remember that. No, I've eaten them in the cinema, but I've always, even with popcorn, I think I've always eaten all the food before the, the film has started. Well, I, I, the annoying thing is, and well, it's not really annoying, it's actually a health and safety thing, I should say. Because of COVID, you order everything from this screen and then they kind of prepare it for you. But you don't get, you don't get, you don't get like a plate of nachos. I, got a, I basically got everything to assemble my own nachos. And <laughs> the problem was, it was a triple dip nachos. <laughs> and then I ordered five chicken strips. Yeah. But I with a dip. But I, in in both of those orders, I couldn't say no dip. So I had four dips. <laughs> I think I think what makes this what really sells this story is that because Chris had to order all this food, it made yeah. us late to the start of the film. Like not the actual start of the film yet. You know, we, we like the half an hour start. beforehand. Yeah. So when we got in there, the lights had gone down and the adverts had started, which meant. 
Chris could only actually see the food he was eating at sort of intermittent flashes. And you know what trailers are like these days where it's just like, oh no, the MacGuffin has escaped. And it's just like in those big, like, big, like splashes of light, Chris was just there like, (laughs) and then just sitting away and then be like, (laughs) with one of his six dips, just, yeah. Oh my God. And, and occasionally sam- there'll be a lull and Sam would just hear me go, oh God. <laughs> and and the girl, there was a girl sat next to me and she was just shielding her face. I thought, oh my gosh, is it just like she's horrified by me eating? But she she was basically trying to avoid spoilers in all the trailers. She's like, know. oh, what's this? Oh God, Spider-Man. And she would just... She would just shield her face and they go, okay, right. I'm, it's okay now. Oh, oh God, no, the Eternals. Oh God. And so every t- she didn't see any of the trailers. She just kept her face shielded. She was that kind of... Worried about spoilers, really. Oh, she hates guacamole. Well, I had two lots of it, so didn't ask for it. But yeah, well, I did, but I didn't want it. Also, you've 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 also ruined the the quiz. I was (laughs) the game I was going to play, which was guess how many people were in the cinema with Sam and Chris this time? Was it? Um, It's at least three. Was yeah, I was going to (laughs) say it was reasonable. Okay, it was was. actually pretty well um, pretty well attended. What did you go to cinema to see? We went to go and see the latest Marvel movie. Ooh. The second of three, which will... No, the second of four, which will be released this year. Sorry. So we'd already seen Black Widow. Oh, yes. There's The Eternals. There's uh, Spider-Man to come. Uh, But this was Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings. And probably, like most people, this is like one character who I had absolutely no knowledge of at all, like going yeah. into like, and even like a cursory glance. And I'm not like the biggest Marvel fan. Like I, I base, my Marvel knowledge basically comes from 90s cartoon programming on like Saturday mornings and stuff. So like Shang-Chi was like completely like over my head in terms of, you know, basically how this character fits in to like the wider world i feel like now we're entering this period with marvel films is that whenever a new character comes along that's my first thought is like all right okay how are they driving this whole thing forward like how are they fitting into into like the wider universe like the mcu like how are they gonna what part are they gonna play in this phase going forward so it's quite a relief then that like this film has pretty much zero connective tissue to the rest of the mcu for most of its runtime like Mm. they mentioned the blip once and there's a poster referring to it but other than that it completely stands on its own as a movie in fact after say like the first hour and a half maybe like two hours I i i would forget that it was a marvel film like it was just a genuinely really interesting film that kind of definitely comes a lot from the fact that like Shang-Chi is a is a um is a kung fu and essentially like it's a it's a kung fu film part of that means that a lot of its action a lot of its um narrative resides in this very like physical art form this physical like um uh, representation of like power and ability and 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 like almost like choreography like dance so it's very it was very easy to get like sucked into that and forget that this is like the fantastical mystical everyone's got laser beams rise like marvel like universe and yeah that that kung fu is you know is incredible like it is some of the best stuff i've seen on screen in a long long time and you know it it reminded me a lot of like sitting with my dad and watching like Jet Li films, watching Jackie Chan films, um, watching like basically John Woo movies. And yeah, it's 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 absolutely astounding, like the effort and the energy and the physicality they put into these these Kung Fu fights like the the uh, stunt coordinator, Brad Allen, who unfortunately has, has recently passed away him and his and quite a lot of the stunt choreographers actually worked were part of jackie chan's team so a lot of the fights have that same like rawness that like jackie chan did like i don't know if you like like 
whenever a Jackie Chan film would finish, you'd always get those post credit scenes of like Jackie Chan trying to do all the stunts and it always like like all the outtakes from him trying to do it. And then that's when it would click. It would be like, oh my God, like he does them all himself. Like Simu Liu, who plays Shang-Chi, actually replicates that. Like he does all the fighting himself. Like he does everything. And like, it's really obvious that they're trying to recreate that that sense of like how visceral and how raw and how physical these fights are but then also trying to step them up and bring them like into the you know sort of 21st century filmmaking and the, and the results are absolutely staggering like and and this was a thing about actually having lots of people in the cinema which was different to when we went to go and see the suicide squad and black widow is that you could hear people like audibly gasping about how good this this kung fu is and how real it felt and how present it felt on the screen it was absolutely spectacular it was it was really it, it's so, so like i i'd see it again just for the fights hands down yeah it took me back to when i was in my second year um with my housemates watching ong back oh and we watched the whole film tony jar and then yeah. and then we'd go back and just mm-hmm. skip straight to the site the fight scenes and yeah. just see the actual contact of limbs on other bodies, uh, just phenomenal, really. And and what what surprised me about this film is that it's not just a simple little origin story, just to test the water to see if this is a character that that could actually you know fully ingratiate themselves within the MCU. That they're confident in this character very clearly. This is an epic. This is mm-hmm. genuinely an epic. I had no idea it would it would go to the scale it goes to. It's this beautiful epic sweeping grandeur that underpins it really. That is reminiscent of like you know, Crouching Tiger or any of those kind of Zhang Zimou films like Hero, say, for example, um, or House of Flying Daggers. It made me think of that as well. It's, it's a, it's, the cinematography is utterly arresting here. And it was something you point out, Sam, that it has a lot of heart to it as well. It's mm-hmm. not just punch, 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 kick, kick, kick. Well, yeah, it's kind of strange that the central like plot rotates around a very like emotional core. So um, Tony Leung, the fabulous, like the, you know, the world famous well, he should be world famous. Uh, Tony Leung uh, plays Sean's father, Shang-Chi's father. So the, 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 the story is that like Tony Leung, uh, his character is like the leader of the Ten Rings. And he has these Ten Rings and they've made him immortal. And he's been like over thousands of years, he's amassed all this like great sort of power and uh, influence over the world. And basically his son, Shang-Chi, went against like basically what he what he wanted he was like he set up this 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 whole sort of criminal like dynasty to pass over to his son and his son basically said he didn't want to it moved away and went to go live in san francisco and this film is centers around that that relationship of this father who um wants his son to basically follow in his footsteps and his son wanting to carve his own path and that sort of central sort of emotional crux like is what the film like revolves around there's not a there's not a man here there's not a character here who wants to take over the world they've already done it they don't want to really access this this great power to to sort of reach into the universe or he's already eternal like he's already got the 10 rings so the whole drive of the movie centers on character and like the emotional pull between this between this family and that was just staggering like i've not again like that's the other reason why it just didn't feel like a marvel film it felt like this 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 drama that was that was playing out and and both tony leung and um simu lu like their acting is is incredible like i've not seen simu in anything before i've not watched like kim's convenience or anything like that but he he was he he's really really good you could tell that he was definitely benefiting from acting across like real legends like michelle yao and 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 tony like real like presence on screen you talk about kind of how the story is quite simple in terms of it's just character based it's not the 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 big bombastic stuff so it sounds more um quite quite serious as well and kind of makes you think when you talk about these kind of standalone films always kind of think of stuff like i think black panther is the standout one of of a of a single obviously it's part of the the wider universe but as a standout film that stands alone with kind of when we talked about the the suicide squad um Mm. in a previous episode and when we talked way back about thor ragnarok um 
I had an issue with, or Ragnarok, you had an issue with the Suicide Squad, of that trope which tends to happen, and you kind of mentioned it about Marvel films, where you've got kind of these serious points and these dramatic points and then constantly being undercut by a joke and it and it kind of tiring. Is this something that kind of continues with with this kind of film or is 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 the nature I think for, for me I think the nature of the the jokes in the Marvel films I think they they are they suit that world that has been created but at times it it can be quite trying for me. So how how does this film kind of walk that line? So um there is a moment in this, and this is why I urge listeners if you've not if you've not watched Shang Chi, don't Google it because there is a moment in this that genuinely genuinely surprised me, and I think in a parallel universe it could have broken the film. And I, I at instances when it would come back to it, I would turn to Sam and I was thinking, I, I can't believe that I'm seeing what I am seeing here. It's it's, uh, it's I, I think it's going to be an incredibly divisive moment. Yeah, for the film. Yeah. And I did laugh. I did think the director, I think they did pull it off because they didn't over labor its usage, but it genuinely, genuinely, I didn't quite know how to react to it because it was one of the last things I was expecting to see in this first outing of this character. Mm. And like elsewhere, it, it's, it doesn't, it's not like full Ragnarok in the sense that it's, it's like, it's a joke every 30 seconds or so. Um, there, there is humour there. It's a Marvel film. You know, there is levity there. Some of the jokes land, some of them don't, I would say, actually, in this. Um, but I can forgive it for that because a bit like Black Panther, just the heart that's underpinning mm-hmm. that film in particular is what drives it through. And, you know, you can roll your eyes quite a lot because Marvel does seem to have a lot of, um, of an obsession with daddy issues. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It, but, but actually what, what makes it interesting here is that actually what... As Sam said, you've got a, you've got the the dad. Yes, he's the big bad. Yes, we've seen that in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. But the big the big bad has already got what he wants. But also, you've got a sibling here, a sibling dynamic here as well, and that makes it really interesting. And it's quite a long film. This I think it clocks in around two and a half hours, mm. but it's so you can get that emotional payoff with the characters that aren't just the father and son, which I think is really you know really important to recognise. Really, you'll have. You know, there's no issues of unrequited love. You know, it's not that there's a female... You know, he has a female best friend, Katie, who grew up in America, and she knows nothing about this previous life of his. And they're, they're pals. It's not the sense that anyone's holding a torch for anyone whatsoever. They are. They just so happen to be a male and a female that are mates of each other. And yeah. it's a really lovely bond throughout the film. And likewise, the sister has her own life, her own friends. Her, her entire life is not just defined by the father and her brother. So it's a lot more interesting than perhaps we'd usually see in other Marvel films. Say, for example, I'm thinking like Ant-Man and the Wasp, where if you think about how much the Wasp appears in Ant-Man and the Wasp and really what the Wasp has to do, it's really kind of very secondary, really. Also, that, also that, that thing about the humour is that it works when there's stakes and there's tension, which was kind of not the case in the Suicide Squad. It was that, like... When Harley Quinn's on screen, you know she's all she's there. You know she's only there, unfortunately, to do one job. However, here, because the action is so good that you're on the edge of your seat, and literally, you know, fingernails gripping onto the to the wonderful Lux recliners, because of how good the action. It's like there's this fight on top of some bamboo scaffolding, which is a wonderful nod to. Um, Rush Hour, I think. Is it Rush Hour or Rush Hour? It's Rush Hour. Yeah, Rush Hour, where they had a where they also have a fight on some bamboo, uh, like some bamboo scaffolding, and like even and it's and I don't know whether it's just because I've not been in the cinema long, like recently, or just like there, and and even though you know it's not real, like there's a moment with Aquafina who plays Katie, and like my heart was in my mouth. I was like, my God, like there are actual stakes here. There's actual tension. So when something cuts that. You just like oh, it just gives you a little bit of a chance to chance to breathe, and I think that all comes down from this like part of of how this story is framed, and like the fact that the fights feel so physical, the fact that the story is driven by character and it's driven by emotion rather than some big bad with some big energy weapon or or whatever, means that the the humor actually feels like it's got a place, and Katie as a character 
because she's a, a fully realized, you know, character, she wisecracks to cut the tension. Like, and she right. doesn't wisecrack when things are really serious, which I think is a is a is is another thing that marks it sort of differently. Like, she reacts to things like a like a normal human being would react to. She's not just there because the scriptwriters thought, "Oh, we oh we need a joke here." Yeah. Um, so so it all plays into this like wonderful and it, in into this wonderful world. I mean, it's a bit of a shame. I think in the fight, the final act is a bit is is very marvelly and you know I, 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 again i think some people will enjoy it some people won't i think on a second watch it might sort of land land a bit better i i didn't enjoy it as much as i enjoyed the um the sort of the first couple of bits of the film because kind of the kung fu sort of like takes a back seat but i think you know good on marvel destin daniel cretton's who's the director like his his movies before this were ones called just mercy and the glass castle and i'm like i have never heard of those two films and they've given him this you know 100 million dollar budget to go and make this film of a you know of such significant importance the fact that it's like the first asian you know lead in a in a superhero movie and one that's focused on, you know, focused on emotion and focused on character. One that has all these physical stunts, all these practical stunts, and he's and he's pretty much knocked out of the park. Like it's it's an incredible gamble that's really paid off. Yep, best Marvel film so far of twenty twenty one. Um, I've got something here of yours, Chris. Have you? Oh and gosh, have, have say, you? Yeah, and I have to say it's blocking up the hallway. It, I've been looking after it. Is it his lunchbox? It, it's bigger than his lunch. Well, actually, mm. is it bigger <laughs> it's than lunchbox his lunchbox sized? Uh, it's about a Chris sized lunchbox, yeah. I think. I think. What is it? Pre- pretty hefty. What have you got? It's Chris's PlayStation Five. Oh, can't believe you still you you've you've not arranged some time to give it to him. He has, yeah. I'm getting. I'm picking it's, it's it up not on Friday. A, it, Dan, Dan, it's not up to me to give. I've done. I think I've done enough legwork. You have gone above and beyond, Sam. It's now up for Chris to do a bit of travelling to come and see, to come and get to the, come and see and it. To be honest, he has to yeah. stay there. <laughs> come and see it. Visitation rights. <laughs> he's he's got it for the weekend. And Sam, then, Sam uh, needed one for the spare room. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, I was tempted because it feels like. No, I didn't want to be that guy who's like, I've got two now, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. But yeah, it was, it was, it was quite, it was quite the rush. Like back in March, I applied um, to be part of this like Curry's VIP thing. So Curry's and PC World in order to um, stop scalpers. (laughs) Um, I just imagine, I could just imagine you walking through the double doors of a Curry's. (laughs) Uh, I think you'll find I'm a VIP. Flashing his black card. Yeah. <laughs> that he's made himself. Oh, 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 is that is that Sam Turner? He's a he's a he's a PC World VIP. <laughs> to be honest, to be, uh, to be honest, part of me, you know, is I think I think something about the PS5 experience does that to you because obviously we we've spoken about when I got my first one. uh, i was given a code by amazon that i had to give to the driver who dropped it off and there i was on the on my doorstep pretending i was in a bloody like john le carré novel going like have you got the code yeah i've got the code they're like well can i have the the code uh, box (laughs) you got the box yeah show me the box i'll give you the code however here it was like you, you get you get given a code so I was, so I've been in like the drawer since March and then I just got an email saying that I've been picked and basically you've got like I, I essentially I, I assume they have some sort of central stock and then they send out enough codes that covers the stock and they have four bundles that you can pick from and you've got until a certain date to pick one of these these bundles and uh, we offered it I offered it to both Chris and Chris and Pete Pete declined mm-hmm. so Chris Chris nabbed it because as we know I'm a man of the people yes exactly <laughs> and if the people can't have PS5s <laughs> then Peter won't have PS5s 
he just it refuses everything he can just to get a little bit more storage space on this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and so they give you, so you give you code, and like I was very keen. Like Chris said, oh, I'll pop down within it. But then I was like, no, Chris, what if they've only got digital only bundles left? Oh, you, you need to get, a, oh. you need to get a disc. Yeah. So I went, I went down for him, sort of walked in, and like as I was walking in, I was like, how do I? Like, there's no way of me walking in and and saying explaining why i'm there that doesn't make me sound like a complete tool mm. and it's so like um i've got a vip code for a playstation <laughs> <laughs> no no we've been expecting you that's the reaction i thought i get i thought i got but but to be honest the, mainly the response was oh all right <laughs> like... yay A few weeks ago, yeah. you went <laughs> to the UK Games Expo and you, came, and you came back with a ton of swag for me. Yeah. Thank you. And Cosmos, Devier Cosmos, um, very kindly sent me a copy of Mayscape's Labyrinthos. Mm. And I have since been playing this in my lunch break because I'm back at work now. And what better way to ease myself into working from home than having a lunch break where I spend solving a maze. Mm. So, so is this? Sorry, so is um, is Sam? Is this the one that you showed me when we were at the stand? The one where you basically have to like you, you you've got a starting spot, and there's like it's almost like a book and fold out bits of paper, and then you have to draw well, almost draw or like move your finger along the line mm. to move through these mazes, and then you the way that you fold the yes. map. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, this you get this lovely little. Uh, it's like a little small box it's like a book i love these kinds of board game boxes yeah, which nice. you know click and a little magnet thing that clicks and opens out and inside you've got seven mazes or maps that are folded kind of like what you get you like your, your road map sort of thing and you open it up and it's like the kind of mazes you play as a kid you start at point a you've got to get to point b and you do not take your in this case it's like a little wooden pointer that comes with the game it looks like mm. a pencil but it just hasn't got a lead in it and you just have to get from a to b um, without taking this off the page like one might find on a tray on a piece of paper at a wimpy yes that is well, a very deep cut kind of and and yeah so it's that kind of like it also took me back to those kind of puzzles you play as a kid you know and you get you know, like your puzzle books sort of thing yeah but what's quite good in this that kind of takes it into the kind of the realm of something like a video game or i should say actually the kind of maze mazes you get where it isn't just getting to the center often um the kids will be given like a little map and there's stuff they've got to find along the way yeah it's a bit like that so it's not just getting from a to b it's also about well you've got to get to a to b but you've got to pick up these objects along the way you've got to find these keys to open this particular door and what you're doing is you're kind of opening bits of the paper it's a bit like um it looks if you open everything out it look it would look like um that mc escher painting relativity that famous one from uh, 1953 you know when you've got all the staircases going upside down and stuff and so through this folding back and forth you're kind of moving you're kind of go okay i can fold the paper here i'll move my points onto here then i'll unfold where i've just come from which reveals this this other network of paths so you're constantly getting into this routine of opening and shutting the paper as it were so is it and so is, are you sorry just check are you opening and shutting on predetermined lines so predetermined yes. folds as opposed to you're not just folding it in any which no way. no no yeah. no just checking i win fold it down yeah. that's the end and and as you work your way through the levels like it gets a little more uh, complex there's teleporters so if you can go on to, you can drag your pointer to a little jump teleportation um pad and then you can kind of instantaneously spring it to another part of the map there and and i know what you're thinking some of you listening to this you may be thinking gosh that sounds quite tedious when i when i first when i played the first one it was quite quick it was quite simple but it was kind of a tutorial mm. i then played the second one and i tell you what like it's really good I, and, and i'm not just saying this because i was given this for free genuinely like it, it, it kind of took me back to a little bit of my childhood but also kind of like um uh the backtracking one would get in tomb raider but you're not having to go loads and loads and far it's just the kind of okay i just need to fold it and you, you just baffled thinking how do I, how can i not get there anymore i was just there how do i do this and the answer is just here i've just i've just not got the right combination and it's amazing how addictive this is 
because what's really lovely is it's got like little checkpoints. Each map comes with checkpoints. You don't have to have covered everything to get to the end, but if you want to, you can go back and do that and be a completionist, which I really, really like. And it's you know, it's quite deceptive. It's a bit unnerving when you look at the side of the box and it says runtime is between five and 90 minutes and it's a solo game, but you can see it definitely. So do you have a different, a completely different kind of physical map for each level or are the maps kind of repeated depending on different levels and stuff? It's a different map for each level. So seven in the box. Okay. Mm. It strikes me a little bit like um, the appeal of games like Monument Valley. Yeah. Totally. Good shouts. Yeah, definitely. You know, like trying to work in, because a, a, a maze is, you know, on a piece of paper is a, is a, is, is space in 2D, right? Like it's, it's, yes. it's only ever two dimensions. But in this yeah. one, you're kind of doing that almost Fez, Monument Valley, uh, you know, using different kinds of geometries in order to, and working in almost like different, dim, not dimensions, but like X more than 2D, if you know what I mean. It's not, it's not quite a 3D, but it's because you're using different sort of like. It's isometric, yeah. essentially. Yeah. 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 And it's a good point you make there because like traditionally a labyrinth would be in two dimensions, which has one way in, one way out. And the maze is something three dimension you cannot see outside of what you're in. So this is an interesting combination of the two. And the labyrinth is something that's therapeutic. The maze is a puzzle. So put them together and you've got this really lovely, and as a solo game, this lovely therapeutic meditative puzzle. Mm. And you, you, don't, you wouldn't be banging out all seven levels in one go. You do not binge this game. But knowing it's there and on a lunch break, I don't want to stare at a screen. I've been staring at a screen all morning. I can literally just, I can take a little map with me to work. Yeah. I don't need to take the points with me. And that's the thing. I can slip this effortlessly into my bag and just take it out and i've got tons of time and tons of fun to play with there really it's 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 great honestly it, and it, it is about the size of like a game boy or a kind of like my nintendo switch Lite. it's it's it and that as an alternative is really lovely every so often i just say with it with it only with you only having seven maps and obviously you've you if you're starting off with kind of a tutorial there's obviously going to be a, a difficulty kind of scale as as it kind of levels up how how big a jump is that because obviously with with seven maps there's not a lot of scope to incrementally get tougher and tougher and tougher you have to kind of take some fairly big jumps to improve the difficulty so as it goes on do you find yourself taking kind of oh this one's suddenly really really hard um the last one was much easier than this or is it does it feel more kind of gradual than that it is gradual i must admit that the step up from the first one to the second one was significant but it was needed definitely because i think if it if it had been too incremental i would have not been interested in as interested in it as i am genuinely i think they do a very very good job and i genuinely think they could they could easily do more with this and 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 i and and i think it that there's a real sweet spot there i think um for these kinds of solo games that you know I you know people work in different places they're able that they, some of them have got you know the ability to some people have lunch at their desks other people have an actual canteen to have their lunch something like this it's very small um that is literally just one thing it is the board and you can just mm. trace your finger along it that's how i've been playing it there's no other moving parts it is literally just a map that's it it's great it's it's, it's brilliant this pattern is it's one of the oldest in the world it really is and it's really lovely see it have a, a, a particularly new spin taken on it because it's something that is a well-worn trope uh, particularly in video game design let's say for example um to, to see it here and for it to feel like an actual maze mm. in an analog variant is great really and i've uh, i've been playing a game called wordscapes which okay. is a very 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 popular very popular mobile game um, I heard about it from a nice person on the internet that I've not met, but I would like to meet, called Bob Mortimer. And Bob Mortimer has been playing the game Wordscapes, and I thought, well, if it's good enough for Bob... <laughs> if it's good enough for him... Then I will give it a go and, and give it a quick play. And this is basically Scrabble plus a crossword, sort of. Okay. Right. All right. So this is all on your phone. So this is I'm playing this on my little Android phone. And so basically, imagine. So you're playing it in portrait. Um. So imagine at the top half of the screen you have uh, a series of small boxes, uh, which where you would put letters, much like a crossword puzzle. Okay. Right. Yeah. 
And then underneath, uh, you have a circle which has a load of individual letters in there. And the idea is that you need to take those individual letters and create words from them. Very simple, very straightforward. So are, are you getting clues like you would do in a, in a crossword? No, to... no, you're not. So this is, uh, this is entirely a test of vocabulary and... Well, basically, yeah, just word knowledge, essentially, like, uh, knowing words and, and looking at sh okay. looking at collections of words and letting your mind wander for a moment to put different words together, uh, different letters together in different ways to produce different words. So it's Bananagrams, the video game. I've not played Bananagrams, is that right? Seems reasonable. Uh, yeah, with, with, with the restriction of the fact that you have the, the those circle of letters, obviously, with Bananagrams. But Bananagrams, you only have a certain... Of yeah, but it's it, it there, I see I see that there are there are differences, but I you 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 are right that there are very sim a lot of similarities. There. The way I would describe it is it's like Scrabble if you never got different letters, but you had an infinite number of the letters you have. So okay. if you, so if you had like the let, let's say for example you got eight oh, letters see, on the yeah. Scrabble board, you could infinitely take out all of the S's and T's and F's and all of that sort of stuff to make different words, but those so, those letters would never change. So you use the same collection of letters to fill out exactly. all of them. And so so the idea is you might end up with six letters. So you end up with, let's say, for example, six letters, and you need to create as many words as you possibly can from that. You fill those in on this little board at the top of the screen, and you need to just fill in fill in those, those little boxes. If you find a word that is not on at the top of the screen, but is a real word... The game then banks those for you and you get these extra coins. So this is one of these free-to-play games, which if you want a little hint, you pay like 100 phony baloney coins and it will go, here you go, here's a hint. Now, the difference between, because obviously I know free-to-play is a bit of a, 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 a hot topic for some people, it's totally fair. Like, if you were actually better at vocabulary, you'd be fine. Like, you don't mm -hmm. have to ever use any of the free-to-play stuff. It really is just a case of... What is that word? And the word is 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 never a name. It's never a um. It's never like uh, slang particularly. Uh, um. It's you know it's proper words. So so there's definitive answer then. Yeah. So there's always definitive answers. So the idea is essentially that you're uncovering what letters, what words there actually were that you needed to find. So, sorry. So if you if you find a word, say you make a word and the word is like crime or whatever yeah, crime if that word is in the crossword it will automatically ping up there and if it's not it goes here's 10 10 coins absolutely yeah exactly. all right okay exactly. i get it, I get it, I get it. okay so and then you would take that word crime and then you would go what letters what what can i use these letters to create what uh, and it has to be a three letter word can i do anything else with that um and the uh, answer is yes you can ire ire or mike uh yes or mike there you go so um or rim you'd be very good at this so <laughs> so um the reason the reason i bring that up is it does feel a lot like uh, first of all i've been really enjoying it it's been the it's been a game that i've I, i've been enjoying playing mobile phone games a lot recently just simply because i haven't had time to kind of sit down and play video games um you know big proper chunky video games and it's one of those nice things to kind of uh relax to it's just very straightforward it's a really easy to grasp concept. Um, there's little mechanics here and there to kind of keep you coming back every day. Like, here's the puzzle of the day. And hey, do you want to unlock a crown? Well, you can if you get enough <laughs> phony baloney crown points um, by completing these, you know, these levels. And I've unlocked a picture of a squirrel, which oh, is what... Brilliant. Right? So I, you know, this is all very, very light. But the, the thing that I kind of came away from it with was it really does tax you after a while. You know, you are getting to the point where there are eight letters and you have like 12 words to find and you'll get stumped within the first two words you find. And then you're like, what the hell is this meant to be? And you're sort of sitting there. And I've noticed over the last two, three, four weeks that I've been playing this that actually my vocabulary skills have have improved. They've actually the ability to find these different words has become a lot quicker i'm actually getting through levels a lot faster it reminds me of those like brain training games from back in the day <laughs> that that playing you know playing these word games constantly actually gets you more into the groove of doing these things when i when i had a when i had a dartboard in the house i'll be you know just pick up the dartboard on a lunch break or whatever or of an evening and over time i vastly saw my maths improving like yeah 
considerably. Yeah. Because when you just like, you know, when you first start and you spend ages at the chalk going, right, 20 plus 19, but now I've got to take that away from 300 and one. Right, right. Like eventually you like start learning all the, like, you know, the shortcuts, you know, you know, triple, triple 19 is 57 and, you know, take that away. And then you, you, your maths just generally just become, because you're exercising that part of your brain, which you probably use like maybe once or twice a day or exactly, something. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like we're always, we're always like our phones are also our calculators, right? Yeah. Sure. Like, yeah. and so I'm always thinking to myself, oh, I'll just quickly do, oh, I'll just do that sum. It's a really easy sum. I, I don't really mind. I'll just do that quickly on here. I and don't like, mind. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do this one phone. Don't I'll do, worry. I'll, 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 don't worry, phone. I'll handle it. Um, but like, you know, it's the, same, yourself. it's the same with words, right? So, so we're so used to having things like, uh, things like Grammarly and even mm. just like word processing things saying like, what about this word instead? Like Google Docs now predicts what you might want to try and write. Oh, I hate that. I hate that too. It's like, you don't know me, Google Docs. You do, but I wish you didn't. <laughs> um, and I'm actually really enjoying just thinking about my vocabulary and re- remembering really f- like fun words and like actually kind of impressing myself that like, oh yeah, I do know a few words, don't I? Which is, you know, good because... Obviously, I used to be a writer, but yeah. So it's I've just really enjoyed it. I, I I've actually been playing been playing it as well. I don't think I've got as far as you because I think I've I'm still on like five let I'm on like level forty and You're I'm still only 40. on five letters. Okay, yeah. I don't think I've enjoyed it as much as you have. Uh, one of the reasons for that is at times it does make me feel stupid because yep. there's like a four letter word and I'm smart enough to know most of the four letter words or a three letter <laughs> word. Yeah, but. I don't. I, I my brain just can't see it, and yeah. I think because the way the letters are presented, they're presented in a circle. I think that fact is quite important. Mm. The fact they are presented in a circle, I think, changes the way that you can see the letters. Kind of picture them in a word. Like when I played a game, and the, the word has been I don't know, iced or something like that. Right. And I've got all the letters there, but for I just can't. My brain can't make that connection, and so I've tried to do just random select not so much random selections but try to play around and suddenly i've put in ice i'm like oh yeah of course that's i know that word that's that's not a difficult word it's not <laughs> yeah. like it's it's not like it's some kind of like chemical term for something right it's right. the word iced yeah i know that that's <laughs> not all, a problem but it's all really straightforward but it's again it's that thing that kind of taxes your brain not so much it's not like a cryptic crossword right where you're just like oh what is this but like it's it's just just enough of a challenge to the point whereby you do have to think about it. You do have to mm-hmm. concentrate to a certain degree, but yeah, you don't but have to like, concentrate so much that it takes up your full attention. Yeah, and it's just like, it's like with the darts thing, like you learn shortcuts. Like, so if it starts with a consonant, the next letter must be a vowel, you know? And if it starts with a vowel, the next letter is probably a consonant. Mm. And so, or if it has like an ED, then there's like a high chance that yeah. that's going to be an ed word or an ES word or an ER yeah. word. Like you're looking for those... Like it's the same way that they, <laughs> it's the same way they crack the Enigma code. Yeah, you, you know, you, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's you know they look for patterns within language, and that's how they you know that that's how they crack it. That's how you like that's the secret to doing anagrams. Is going right. I've got this. I know the next letter has to be a vowel or a consonant. So, I am one hundred and forty levels in, and I think the best thing I can possibly say is pay to remove the ads that's the only thing i find i find as the the criticism for this that is something i was going to say because i as one of the reasons i think i don't like it as much as you is there are a lot of ads it's egregious and yeah it's Ooh. like every every say three rounds sometimes less than that yeah there's an ad comes up that you have to kind of sit through or yeah. wait for it to play through a certain amount before you can kind of press the little x in the tiny little x in the corner if you yeah. don't hit it bang on it opens up the ad and so it's all that yeah. stuff really kind of oh so so you can absolutely pay to remove those forever and that to me is probably the best the best i think it's like five quid that's probably like the, the it's you know it's pricey but also you know it's a game with literally I would imagine thousands, if not tens of thousands of levels. And it's all kind of the same, but it's also all kind of fine and kind of good. And like, if, if it's definitely not something that I'm, you know, again, it's not like Mayscape. I'm not going to sit down and burn through it for nine hours. Like, it's just not, it's not made for that. But what it does feel is a very nice, you know, 12 minutes in the morning while you're having a cup of tea. I'm glad you said tea. Do you know what Dan's like with his iPad? 
Rebecca, we have a uh, a listener question. It's very exciting. Ooh. Uh, oh, right. We, all, okay. we always love to, love to get these. Uh, this one came through to us on Twitter uh, from a, a, a fine gentleman called Mark. Uh, his Twitter handle being Lithium Project. So hello to you, Lithium Project slash Mark. He says, hello. Hello. Any recommendations for two-player board slash card games? Let me Ooh. open the floor. And let me close mm. the floor because I've got one to begin with because I don't want anyone else to say it because I don't have many options. Yeah, go so on. I'm going to jump in and I'm going to say Odin's Ravens is a game that I really enjoy. That's, That's a two-player game. Uh, it's kind of, yeah, it's board card game. Very, very small uh, from Osprey Games. Really kind of quick and easy to play. Uh, not too taxing. Doesn't take up too much space really nicely presented yeah so that's i'm just putting that out there because you guys are gonna have more options than i have but yeah odin's ravens is, is a top one and it's also great for kind of people who are not perhaps used to board games so i played it with my wife and my wife doesn't play board games but she really liked it and we've played we've played that before so yeah so that's a really good one for people who play games as well because obviously we've all we've all a lot of us have enjoyed it but also if you're playing with someone who's not as au fait it's a really kind of simple game to kind of in as well i almost think that uh that there almost needs to be two categories there's the lighter fare which i think slightly irritatingly the internet refers to as couples games often or not they usually mean that when they think that which i think is a real misnomer mm. but, but the kind of lighter fare which i i enjoy and the slightly heavier crunchy yeah two-player games because there's a marked difference between odin's ravens and twilight struggle like both are two-player games mm-hmm but given the fact that we don't know like what kind of a two-player game uh, Mark means in this regard, other than that it's something like card or board game, I think we need to kind of give some give some nice recommendations from across that spectrum, really, in terms of complexity and weight. Well, I've got... I could do that. Uh, yeah, I've got a few recommendations. Roll your sleeves up then, people. Cosmos is a great place to start. Um, they do an incredible range of two-player games that we've all experience and liked i think dan you've got a copy of aquilin i've got lost cities and targi uh, in my collection uh, kahuna as well and they're all like exceptionally solid cheap like two-player games like lost cities is probably the most classic basically it's it's been out and available and in print for decades now i think and it's very simple and easy to get your head around. And if you're not an idiot like me, the scoring's quite simple, actually. And Targi uh, is probably the other end of that spectrum where it manages to be quite a complex little almost Euro-style game um, that takes about sort of upwards of an hour to play in this very small box. And it's only between two players. Those are good sort of um like cosmos games to to start off with that's also a good market i mean let's let's talk about you know the hot new new uh person on the scene and obviously that's flesh and blood mm. um that's a damn good um two-player game and what's good about that is because it's collectible you can really dive in with a with another person and kind of you know that was that was always the enjoyable thing the thing i enjoyed about playing magic so much is that the game is one thing, but then there's talking about it with the other people that you're playing with outside of the game, the which makes it such a... The, the, the actual hobby, yeah, you're right, Pete. The actual like collecting, which I think adds so much to that dueling experience where you know you get your flesh and blood deck or you get your magic deck and you spend like the week honing it and working out like how it'll play, like work, trying to work out how the synergy of it plays together. And then entering that duel with the other player with the other person it makes it makes that two-player experience so much more like it just makes it really tasty like gives it a lot more bite i think that's they're definitely you know there's definitely value and worth that in in those as in those games as two-player experiences i think that's a good shout so gung it in should like. we stick with that then do you want to give a lighter two-player than a heavier two-player um i think for me uh the lighter two-player one would probably should we just stick with two player only games or or, or, or... Yeah, yeah yeah i mean i think there is i mean some i know like i've played like splendor two player and that's that's more than two player game but that's kind of that works really right. well as a two player game so there are was... there are some that you can play wider yeah. that actually work really well and 
like that's a game that I think I prefer playing just one on one. Absolutely. Let, let's not. Let's not. There's someone out there who's desperate to ask us for the best two player games. Just two that player. Are not, okay. That are not two player games. Cool. So, yeah, so let's not rob them of that that moment. joy and satisfaction. Um, so for me, uh, it would be uh, the one that gets the most play is Seven Wonders Duel. Um, mm-hmm. It is a very very good. Uh, I guess. Uh, climb up a tech tree if you can uh try and play it with the uh, at least one of the expansions um, yeah because... i think the pamphlet expansion for me makes it an es- i think, it, it, it's, I think it's an essential expansion yeah, for I, it, yeah i do too i think it's a little bit too light without it um and not not light in a pleasant way but light in a not so many options to sort of defeat your opponent kind of a way um that's the kind of lighter one. I think it's a it's very very good. It's um, it'll also teach you a, you know some of the mechanics and some of the ideas behind the game Seven Wonders, which is an absolute classic. Uh, um, but yeah, I think that that is a really good way uh, of playing a game with a lot of strategy and forward thinking, uh, which mm-hmm. I think is is really good. Uh, the complex one. I don't know if anybody's heard of this game. Uh, but Here we it's, go. It's called Warhammer Forty Thousand Kill Team. Oh God! Uh, and uh, also, I mean, theoretically, you could play it with more players. Um, but honestly, um, I think that there is something beautiful about playing a skirmish level game like Kill Team. You can get into them relatively cheaply. Uh, the original uh, Kill Team has just been superseded by a new edition, so you can get the original edition pretty cheap these days, uh, and I strongly recommend it. Can I can I suggest something to that probably would be a better experience than Warhammer Kill Team? <laughs> Good, well, you can game. try anything. Go on, because I suggest the Undaunted series by Osprey. So Undaunted Normandy and Undaunted North Africa as like skirmish games um they're um exceptional and chris and i have played quite a lot of um a lot of them really and good. we're currently working way through a campaign on on undaunted uh, normandy and yeah it's a wonderful like little like deck building um rolling and attacking um game that perfectly encapsulates those little like mm. smaller war-based skirmishes but does it all on a much like smaller and intense like duel um duel between two players yeah, like yeah. they're but, really and obviously like a cheaper entry point you don't have to paint uh, absolute, the miniatures no, absolutely, yeah. you don't have to learn loads of yeah rules no you're absolutely right but we're talking kind of about stuff. big complicated games for grown-ups now so what we're talking about here is is something like a kind of miniatures level skirmish based game necromunda kill team there's also other things out there as well that are that are definitely worth looking into that have very small player counts things like Frostgrave from uh, osprey things like uh things like um uh, blood bowl and guild ball and 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 those kinds of games they are very very intense as sam is making out and um they are definitely not for everybody but if there's and a lot of investment they are a lot of investment they are a lot of investment. They're they are a smaller in financial investment than these big, big, big miniatures games, but they are mm-hmm. no no less of a sort of like time investment. You need to paint them. You need to learn very complicated rules. All of this kind of stuff. Uh, but if that if it feels like you're going to do something that's a little bit more like continual, you want to play something with a bit more of a sort of continuity to it. A little bit like Sam was saying with like the Undaunted uh, Normandy's campaign mode, a campaign in a skirmish game is a lot of fun if you if it seems mm-hmm. like something that would be of interest can i throw one more into the hat because last christmas my secret santa mm. i asked mm-hmm. for a two-player board game you did and the board game that was bestowed upon me oh so ever so kindly by santa or father christmas was fungi which is a terrific little game which is just for two players i think Pete, you bought it didn't you I, was, I mean, uh, sorry. I do own a copy I, of it. Yes, I broke the magic. I own a copy of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. So that that's that's another one in there to be thrown yeah, into Fungi's the mix. Fungi's a good one. Yeah, really good Fungi's one. Fungi's great. I think if really, you're really good. if you're out in the states, I think it's called Morels, Morels, yes. Morels, something like that. Yeah. But yeah, very very good. Speaking of that Christmas theme, uh, the Christmas present Sam got for Christmas is actually genuinely one of my favourite two player games, which is Compromat. Oh, how pathetic. Let's, Helvetic. Let's, let's just bounce in that pool for oh, a bit. Oh my word! So that beautiful graphic style, but 
basically blackjack with a kind of an interesting spy theme where you can kind of purchase you're trying to fight for purchasing little gadgets that give you bonus points there's some little modifiers there which make it a little bit cheekier um as it were i love that game i really really do it's very simple it's very elegant as as a lot of two-player games are towards the heavier side and this is not as much of an investment as the example pete gave uh but war of the ring or um battle of the five armies which is ostensibly a two-player game but obviously you have to be a very heavily invested in the kind of tolkien mythos and b heavily invested in terms of being able to allocate enough time and effort into working out how that plays that's definitely to the heavier side of the two-player genre I'm still surprised that none of us have mentioned Star Realms. Because I agree, but I don't... I, I've kind of changed my mind a little bit on Star Realms. I think Star that, Realms... Is that because you spent about 60 quid or whatever on that massive, huge pack, which kind of defeated the wonderful thing about Star Realms? Somewhat. So, mm-hmm. yes. Mm-hmm. But also, I actually think it works better as a digital app. I definitely strongly game, recommend playing it. Yeah. And and it is you know it is a good adaptation of the card game, but I would definitely recommend getting the digital version over the physical version. I think it just plays a lot nicer, um, and is quicker and yeah, better, easier to set up. Like the card version is like oh, okay, this takes like you could have played three games by the time that you've set up and played one game of the physical version of Star Realms. But mm. yeah, but genuinely, I do I think, think if good. I had if I had one two player recommendation, it would have been Star Realms. Like as soon as I bought it. I sleeve, I sleeve my cards. It's the only game I own where I've sleeved the cards and it just makes that constant act of shuffling so much more bearable. But yeah. genuinely, everyone I've introduced it to, I've loved it. Like my neighbour, like, you know, I, genuinely, I could say to my neighbour, says like, um, what's the best thing you've got out of knowing me? He would probably say Star Realms. Genuinely. He, 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 but like that idea that of just everyone starts with the same deck and it's buying cards in the centre marketplace and then it's about that, trying to shed cards that you don't need to ensure the chances of you getting the cards you want coming to that that hand. It's great. It, I've played so many games of Star Realms. I've, I've had to delete it from my phone so many times yeah. because it is something quite addictive about it. So that is a, an, an excellent shout. I mean, I think we should probably just reel off a list because otherwise we'll be here all day, really. And, and Mark can probably go away and make his own shopping list and kind of do the digging himself a little bit. Yeah, all right then. Memoir 44. Brilliant game. Nearly bought it. Uh, Santorini. Patchwork is probably one of the classic two-player games. Up there with Lost Cities is like a must-have, uh, a uh, must-play, I'd say. Jaipur. Oh, I love I love Jaipur. I love it just for the fact that you own it and I just like borrowing it from you for a couple of like weeks here and there. And like, yeah, lovely. If you like abstract games, and by that I mean like chess. Chess is an abstract game. A Hive and The Duke. The Duke is a masterpiece. Um, a really good two-player games. And then possibly my favourite three two-player games of recent times that I've played, Mandala, I think, is an absolutely superb little two-player game that comes with a cloth board. It's beautiful to look at. It's really the, the challenge between you and the person across from you is really feisty and interesting and and like sometimes when you play two player games like it they, they can either be too competitive or too or there's not enough competition between between you and the person across from you and mandala just like strikes the absolute like right balance between between what i think a two player game or definitely like a two player game if you're just like chilling out and like trying to kill like 20 30 minutes like it doesn't feel too competitive but there's just enough of an edge there polis i think is like wow that's like a massive war game for two people like a whole like Mm -hmm. battle over years between the greeks and the athenians that me and chris played recently and and like i'm really itching to to play again and and then my uh, my final one the three was i think King, king domino duel is really interesting and that's a roll and write game strictly for two people and that's quite interesting but i think there are roll and write games that just fit two people yeah. anyway yeah. quite naturally but curious cargo is one of those two player games that i am just always itching to play infuriatingly it is incredibly difficult and it is challenging but I think it is so massively rewarding and it's a game where 
you both run competing factories and the first part of the game is just drawing these tiles out from random from a bag and basically doing this little tile and pipe laying puzzle where essentially you're trying to get different colored um, tokens out of your factory onto this conveyor belt and the second half of the puzzle is trying to make it so that trucks line up perfectly with your like outbound traffic of stuff that your factories are making in order so they can go off and get delivered but quite interestingly is the other half of the puzzle and and i realize i've described a game that has three halves but that's kind of what curious cargo is like is essentially your factory can also be set up to rob the goods um, that are being sent from your opponent's factory and basically get sucked up into your factory if you can create the pipes and the and the sort of like chains and the delivery structure on the other side of your of your board it, it's an incredibly complicated and exceptionally well like detailed as a two-player game but everyone that i've played it with has have you know they've always said this is really really challenging but i really 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 want to play it again and um it's very very it's a very good game hanami koji yeah, uh, I cut you choose. I love that little mechanic. I don't own enough games that have that as a nice two-player game. Mm-hmm. Really good. Matcha. Matcha is a brilliant game, and nice little pieces in that as well. Actually, Hatsudan, actually, which you got me from the UK Board Games Expo. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Which is uh, uh, which is about renewable energy and very elegant use of cards and a very clean, clear graphic display as well, which I really love. Right, the one thing I'm worried about is we're doing it again. We're kind of just rattling off stuff. So let's all pick one. Yeah, and then that's like there's a, so we've got a big huge list that Mark can go away and have a look at. But yeah. if we were all just to pick one, what would we what would we pick? What would be the two player game? I I think personally for me, uh, you know, go and get yourself a copy of Seven Wonders Duel. It's it's it, it is really good. Like honestly, um, yeah, uh, like you'll you'll have a lot of fun with it. You'll think about it a lot, and you every time you come back to it, there'll be new strategies that you can implement. And it's really good to play with somebody that you've played with multiple times. Because uh, you kind of get to know what they're like to to play with. Okay, good shout, Dan. Uh, Odin's Ravens. That's Odin's Ravens. Odin's Ravens, right, right off the top. Sticking with it. I'm going to go with Star Realms, just because it is the most played two player game I own, and it has gone down an absolute treat with everyone I've introduced it to. They've ended up buying their own copy of it, and mm-hmm. don't be put off by the theme if you don't if you're not usually into kind of like science fiction there is a fantasy version of it called hero realm say for example and it just once you've once you've understood its iconography and you've got its rhythm that mm. process of shuffling shedding buying cards and developing your strat that way it's great honestly it's addictive mm-hmm. and you just want to keep playing it yeah it also opens you up to lots of different mechanics that are used in lots of different board games so that idea of like, you know, deck building and synergies, all that kind of stuff, like Star Wars is great. I mean, I'm kind of tempted to have a caveat, but I feel like I shouldn't. I think it's got to be, I really want to say Curious Cargo, but so I'll, I'll say Lost Cities. I just think it, it's a classic for a reason and it's been in print for as long as it has been for, for a reason. I, I think it is just yeah, like the one of the two-player games it's it's very very good it's a very special game that i think we've got four very very good recommendations for mark there definitely okay that was another episode of staying in with sam turner peter wington dan frost and myself chris darby it's the morning after the recording i'm awake i'm primed I just wanted to kind of do quickly a little shout out. I forgot to mention uh, the designers and the artists of Mayscape Labyrinthos. Um, We have Pablo Cespedes and Victor Hugo Cisternas and the arts by Ivan Gajona. And thank you to Devo and Cosmos for giving me a copy of that game. I have really, really enjoyed it. And it's it's made my lunch breaks um, incredibly enjoyable and a lot more bearable than they usually would be. And it has given me that really, really sought-after time away from a screen as I have returned to work. So thank you again for that. That was great. So usual stuff. We had a listener question today, which was great. And um, if you want to send us a question, 
feel free to do so. Um, Stayinginpod at gmail.com is our email address. However, as um, Mark did, you can reach out to us through social media. Um, At stayinginpod is our handle, whether it be Twitter, Facebook, Instagram as well. Just drop us a line, say hello, ask us a question, or ask us for recommendations like Mark did, or recommend stuff to us. Um, Maybe you are Bob Mortimer, and you actually think that Pete needs to be playing or watching other things as well. And what we're going to do is that we're going to try and see if we can give each listener question one of our stickers. For any of you who are at the UK Board Games Expo, um, you would have probably been inundated with our stickers if you bumped into us or met us at all when we were doing the rounds. So we've got, I think, a couple of those left. I checked with Sam the other day. I think we've got a couple left. So um, if you send us in a question, we'll send you a sticker. And then you have to work out what to do with said sticker. So that's quite cool, isn't it? Obviously, there is the, the curated playlist on Spotify, which I do go on about quite a bit. There's our Steam curation page for any PC games we've discussed. There is our Board Game Geek page, so any board games that we discuss there, so Mayscape Labyrinthos will be appearing on our Board Game Geek page as well, with our little review of it on there as well. So if you want to kind of find other games that we spoke about, I know we reeled off quite a long list of board games today, but there's still loads more that we've discussed on previous episodes that can also be found on Board Game Geek. Likewise, the same for our kind of video game content and for our Steam curation page. Awesome. Okay. Um, Happy middle of September, and we will see you at the beginning of October. Bye.